Hi, I'm Lisa Morton, founder of Roland Ransville PR, and this is our We Built This City podcast. This podcast is made of the conversations of the Mancunians born, bred and adopted that put the heart into modern Manchester. We're a city that rebuilt itself literally after the IRA bomb exploded in Manchester city centre in 1996. And we found ourselves in the middle of a different type of crisis now with the spread of coronavirus. These conversations were recorded a few months ago, but every single one demonstrates that we rebuilt this city once and we will build it again. We love Manchester and we know it thrives because of the people that come together day in, day out. People like my guest, Mancunian sports broadcaster, Sarah Collins. One of my little mottos that I love that you know because it's on my phone is, I can and I will watch me. That's Manchester all over. We can and we will watch us. Sarah Collins has helped build this city through coaching and growing grassroots sport for young people and for women. And you'll have heard her on the radio where for the last 30 years, she's been sharing the stories of Manchester's finest sporting moments, some of those as head of sport for BBC Radio Manchester. I recorded this with Sarah at the end of February, just before she took her life to London to work at National Broadcaster Talk Sport. But I first met her when she was sitting on a stool at an event we'd been involved with at the National Football Museum. And the minute she opened her mouth and her heart, I knew I needed to be her friend. So, Sarah, thanks for coming here today. Um, hello. Um, I want to know, first of all, what gets you out of bed in the morning? <laughs> you mean because I'm uh, half woman and half mattress? Absolutely. <laughs> OK, well, uh, people who know me know it's probably not the morning when I get up anyway. So um, what gets me up out of bed? Um, wowzers. Just what, so long as, as, as life is good, then life gets me out of bed and motivates. But what really gets me ticking is to be doing exciting things. And there are so many exciting things you can do in Manchester. And I know you'll probably allude to the fact I'm going to be going to London at some point soon as well. So by the time uh, this gets out there, I'll probably already be in London. But I just love helping other people. I love empowering young ladies. I do a lot of junior netball. Uh, the academy that we've set up is just amazing because of some of the people that we reach out to. Um, and then I've got some best mates um, who empower me and I empower them back. And it's this ever-growing like whirlwind of a circle that goes and goes and goes and gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And the fact that I'm from Manchester and what Manchester has been through for the last... I've been here 48 years... But more so for me, Manchester, what it's been through for the last 25, 30 years and the change of the city, um, especially from the Manchester IRA bomb in 1996, then that's what keeps me going, basically. And we obviously been in sports for a very long time. Um, were you being into sports as a kid? Yeah, not not as mad as you might think I, I, I should have I should have been when you see what I do now. So, you know, I coach young children netball. I coach back to um, netball to women uh, who are a bit older than sixteen, maybe sixteen to sixty, which is amazing. And I do the football coaching. But when I was little, I played on the netball team. But I, I was I feel a bit cheated at school because it was traditional. Girls played netball, a bit of rounders, never got to play cricket, never got to play football. I would have loved to have played rugby. I'm thankful I didn't play hockey because I think with my temperament and a stick in my hand in a <laughs> competitive game, I might have been in style prison by now. But anyway, it's by the by. Um, but um, I, I played netball and I played for the netball school. But we, I didn't have an after-school club. My mum never took me to anything like that. She taught me how to swim. Um, I say my mum, I was a single-parent family. But no, I just 
I just I didn't know. But then I have to say, my dad, single parent family, um, took me to Manchester City. Sorry, Lisa. I know you're. I know you're a red, but you know what? It's two sides to every coin, and I'm on the blue side. And um, you know, I remember the first ever City, City game that I went to was away at Shrewsbury in the FA Cup, and uh, and I become a blue. So yeah, I've always loved sport. But I didn't. I didn't do loads of it when I was little, and by far I'm not an athlete. And I was. I've never. I've never ever played on the first team playing netball. Hilarious. So I'm just the gobby one that loves getting involved, but I'm not that good at it. <laughs> I think you're right though, because in Salford, when I was growing up, there just weren't those opportunities. Oh. And when the guys were playing, the lads were playing football, we had to go and play with the hula hoops. Not right. Uh, not right. No. And in Salford, I wanted to play tennis, but they chained all the tennis courts. <laughs> the nearest to climb over. <laughs> See, there's there's a problem that's still not been addressed. That's a worldwide. That's a, a a problem in the UK with tennis in that the society used to say if kids went on the tennis court they'd go oi get off these courts in that accent and um, and the fact was tennis had to turn around and go no you're not spinning them off you need to be encouraging them on and the amount of money that's one of the sports that does wind me up a little bit because they regularly get a big investment from the money that goes into Wimbledon into the lawn tennis um, association and you know there's elitism at its best but hey ho Andy, Andy Murray might say different, but I bet Judy would back us up. Absolutely. Do you think um, sports resources have improved in Manchester over the years? I mean, like investment, mm. yeah. Wowzers, that's a massive question. You know what? Undoubtedly, the, the answer is yes. Sport, sport facilities in Manchester have um, tripled, uh, gone absolutely mental. A lot of that is because of, well, there's so many reasons. You know what? First and foremost, one of the best things about Manchester is Manchester City Council. Manchester City Council, whether it's sport or not sport, their ability to see vision and to make things happen is second to none. So when you know where Manchester City Council come from, and if you go all the way back to after the bomb, and you go back to, I don't know if it was Sir Howard Bernstein, but it was probably Pat Carney, Richard Leese at the time, who was the leader of the council. And after the bomb, and Manchester was in a, a bit of a pickle, a bit of a mess, and they need to change the economy. And they basically did what all us Mancunians do, which is they blagged it. Yeah, and they told they told the country that um, everyone's coming to Manchester. Everyone's coming to Manchester. Everyone's coming. I was like, oh my god, everyone's going to Manchester. So everyone came. But what 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 we said, we didn't really have. But then they came, so they made it happen. And then if you know as well, and you know Lisa, because you you like me, you mank through and through. You look at Manchester and you think, right, okay. So they had the Commonwealth Games in 2002. That was amazing. Yeah, sort of. Actually, we'd gone for the Olympics, but we didn't get the Olympics. So Manchester being Manchester, that's all right, we'll go for the Commonwealth Games. And we got the Commonwealth Games and we smashed the Commonwealth Games. And I will never forget, because I'd lived in London working for the BBC in London at that point. And you had all the Londoners going, it's going to rain, it's going to be rubbish. And it was beautiful sunshine. And I laughed my head off because it looked mint on the television. Mm. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, of course, the rains came on the closing ceremony. Was it the Queen? Was it the Queen? And everyone's there with the. Do you remember the dancers in the middle of the Etihad? Well, it wasn't the Etihad then. City of Manchester Stadium. Um, So you think about that and then. That's not the end of it of what Manchester City Council did because what they did was they've done a deal. So then Manchester, Manchester City Council for years were working with the owners, the Abu Dhabi owners that now own Manchester City. And I know there's all the discussion around that and oil money and everything else. But when you look at the fact that the council nurtured and developed those relationships in a way where they said, OK, we'll have a stadium, which is the athletic stadium, that then turn into a football stadium. And then the agreement was done because a lot of other countries that have done Commonwealth Games, they haven't made anything out of it or, or, or the, the, the venues have become defunct and have been wasted. 
Well, you look at the City Stadium and, and they've still got the regional athletics track there. We've still got our velodrome there. But the council made sure that there's a deal done that even though City might own the stadium, when it goes, when they when they fill their seats, yeah, all right, Reds, don't start laughing about the seat brigade. But when they fill the seats over a certain quota, money goes into the council. The money that's gone into the council is since it goes into the East Manchester Sport Corridor, and it's paid for National Speedway Circuit. It's paid for the National Basketball Circuit. East Manchester, which is still is and has been one of the poorest areas in Greater Manchester, in the Manchester, it's in the Manchester Borough, has been revolutionised. You know. Yeah. It's just amazing. So has sport have sport facilities in Manchester changed? Yeah, they have. But then if you go back to the grassroots sports, you know, anyone who's got a, a young child in the family that, that wants to play football, can you get a 3G pitch or can you get a good pitch that's playable on in the winter? No, Fletcher Moss, one of the best football junior clubs in Manchester where Rashford and a few of the other amazing guys come from. It's a it's a it's a grass pitch. It's not got the water facilities and draining. So half the kids, half the winter, they can't play on the pitches. So, OK, let's go on to 3G, which are all weather. Well, there's not enough. And if there are enough, they're £80 a pitch. How does a local community club pay £80 for one hour of a pitch? And then how does that club then make it inclusive to the people around them? Yeah, so if you're a community club and you want to make your football um, accessible to an area... So what's a football team? 11 kids, so you've got a squad of 15 quids. Well, what's 15 kids divided into 80 quid? It's not doable. So much as though we have the best council, I think, in the, in the country, in the world, for vision and, and, and putting things forward, I don't know what the answer is, how we get facilities, one, available, and two, at a cost that, that the people can afford. And it does have to be the councils that get involved because they want to encourage a healthy, active lifestyle. They're all fighting all the stats on obesity and getting active and getting fit. But then, then you go and bring politics in and you've got the government capping the money to the local councils. It's all a big mess. Where did we start? <laughs> <laughs> Manchester's just great. That's all you need to know. But yeah, the facilities have changed, but there's still a, a long way to go. And talking about the Olympic bid, um, that was before I started Roland Dransfield, but I remember being involved in the PR around that and we'd done a newsletter for if we won or if we didn't win for, for oh, one of the property advisors. But even though we didn't win that night, the party was absolutely enormous. Everyone just <laughs> totally forgot down at Castlefield. Castlefield. It's like we'd won anyway. But I think that's Manchester for you completely anyway. we made anyway. the best out of it. We did. Look at the stadium now. I mean, yes. it's empty, you lot will say, but yeah. yeah, it's bringing the revenue in. And also the regeneration. So we worked on the kind of like the wider piece around this, when that was being built. So. Even so, I mean, look at City. They've, 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 that, that site is second to none. You know, that was vision. That was going and getting the best football manager in the world. And he only came with the agreement that that, that was built. You know, if people don't know, the reason why the CFA is built there and, and some of the players, and there are young players that stay there because it, it's got the facilities for, for young footballers to stay. The idea is, the dream is that they can see the Etihad when they wake up. They know what their goal is. They know why they're here. They're there to be the best of the best in the world, to play in the best stadium with the best club, with the best manager in the world. And that's here in Manchester. That yeah. was built in East Manchester. And then they've built, you know, the Connell College. And then they've got the high-performance elite um, facilities for um, rehabilitation of sports people. I mean, if you've not been in there and you get the opportunity, go in there. It's, it blows you away. Absolutely. All in, all in the city of Manchester, and that's just sport. Mm. That's just sport. One of my little mottos that I love that you know because it's on my phone is, I can and I will watch me. That's Manchester all over. We can and we will watch us. Andy Burnham, he can and he does. 
Absolutely. We've just been appointed by um, the Bobby Kennedy uh, Human Rights Organisation um, and there's a big conference coming up and they have chosen Manchester as the first place to hold their Ripples of Hope Summit because Manchester is a city of fur. So mm. Bobby Kennedy's daughter has chosen Manchester, and which Amazing. just says it all, doesn't it? If you're loving We Built This City, please could you take the time to leave a five-star review on your podcast platform? Thank you. So obviously passionate Mount, we can we can hear that. <laughs> um, were you always convinced that you were going to be a sports journalist or journalism? What was yeah, it? I always knew I'd work in radio. Um, so I grew up. Um, Mum had a little alarm clock radio. Listened to Radio Four. So I had a radio next to my side, and my first work placement was when I was sixteen. Um, I went to Cardinal Langley in Middleton with a lot of other fellow fabulous manks like Steve Coogan and Saran Jones and Paul Scholes. Um, so I'm pretty proud of where I'm from in Middleton. Um, but when I was little, we had this. I went to Piccadilly Radio at the time. It was called Piccadilly Two Six One. And I did a work placement there. And I'll never forget that I went out with one of the um, journos and we went to Lancashire Cricket, but I wasn't allowed in because women weren't allowed in in those days. So you're only going back to like 1989. I didn't think anything of it at the time because I didn't think anything of it. I just didn't. But I always wanted to get into radio and I knew I would. So when I, when I was so lucky because when I, I did my A-levels, I knew I was going to try and go to uni. And when I went to uni, I knew I was going to work in the media. And my little fav- one of my favourite little stories was... So it was September the 23rd and I was going out with a boy. He was a chef who I met from the hotel where I used to work because I had about three side jobs. And he, we were both City fans and he dumped me on about the 18th of September. I was like, what? He dumped me. I was gutted. He's like <laughs> one of my first boyfriends, absolutely gutted. However, on September the 23rd, um, he had tickets for Manchester City against Manchester United at, at Main Road. And he didn't take me, obviously, because he dumped me and he took his mate. But his mate was a United fan, so I was more gutted that I'd been replaced with a United fan. <laughs> and then to make it worse, City won 5-1. 5-1. I listened to that st- that match in bed because I had tonsillitis. Obviously, it impacted me a lot in <laughs> dumping me. And I, and, but I couldn't, and I wanted to cheer. I wanted to cheer five times. I go, we've never beat United like that. God, back in those days. Oh, my God. 5-1. Five one, and I remember listening to it on the radio, and I look back and I think, yeah, that's what made me. You know, the the the, the career that I've gone on to since, and I'm going to go on to even more so on a national level. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's amazing. So it's just that time when you look back. I can see my bedroom. I can see my radio. I feel my throat, and I want it. To, and it's like five one, Soz Lise. I'll let you have that. Just for Sarah, the record, Lisa's a United fan. I'm a City fan. <laughs> It's all about you. Yeah. Um, it's all about in terms of, obviously, major standout moments, anything else that you've kind of really stands out for you in your career? I, do you know what? I've had one of the luckiest ever careers ever. You know, I, I try and go and chat to a few kids in school and it, it's hard really because I get asked to do speeches and, and talk to kids about a role model and I'm like, if someone came in to me at the age of 13 or 12 or something and said, oh, I work in radio... I don't see how they're going to engage that. So I try and say to them, I've done some amazing things with my job. Um, I've been to um, Las Vegas covering the Ricky Hatton fight with 30,000 fans that he took from Manchester walking through Caesars Palace hearing, there's only one Ricky Hatton. And it's just like madness. Been to two Champions League finals, both United, both that you lost. (coughs) Sorry. Um, I've been to Nigeria because we did a feature with the BBC World Service 
um, on African players and I looked after and did a feature on JJ Okocha. I went to Nigeria on my own, which was, if people have been to Nigeria, you'll know that's a big thing. At the time, I thought it was going somewhere hot and sunny. Ooh, that was a little shock. And um, closer to home, some of the biggest moments have been the riots that we've had in Manchester. So we had the Rangers riots um, where there was the... Um, Europa League final here and it, the the Rangers fans took over Manchester. The one that made me laugh about that was we sent one of our reporters down to do an interview with um, the head of the GMP police and he asked a question and said, what are you going to do about all the Rangers fans that come down that haven't got any tickets? So the police officer, head of police, giving his full title, whichever it was, looked at him and went, well, why are they going to come down? They haven't got any tickets. And he went, "That Rangers fans do that. They're only going to drive down the motorway. There's going to be about 20-odd thousand that haven't got tickets. He went, I don't think so. And then you see, you saw it. You know, we we got taken over by these Rangers yeah. fans who had been drinking from about four weeks earlier and were still drinking. <laughs> and, you know, they stopped the trams. Yeah. There were people reporting into the radio station at the time when I, when I worked at Radio Manchester. There were people sending in pictures of... <laughs> of Rangers fans, because they stayed in Blackpool, they stayed in Wigan, they stayed wherever. I remember my mate in sale showed me a picture of these Rangers fans, three Rangers fans with a shopping trolley with crates of beer yeah. because they drunk, the, 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 there was no beer left in the city centre. And then it, and then they attacked it and it's like, oh, we're under siege. So that was, that was an interesting one. We actually won an award for that, which is a momentous thing. And then there was the, the hard stories as well that we've done. So there was the Salford riots, the Manchester mm. and Salford riots. And I'll never forget uh, my boss at the time, John Ryan, who is um, just an amazing bloke who taught me a lot of stuff I'm really grateful for working with. But I remember him coming in and we'd had the riots in, to in um, Tottenham, I think it was, and a few other places. And he went, um, you ready to pull an all-nighter tonight? So I was like, what? He went, an all-nighter? The riots are going to happen tonight. Are you in? I went, I'm in. So he's like, all right, nice one. And we did. We pulled an all-nighter because there was a, the riots. Um, or the thing that happened is we had a journalist. I'm going to name him. He won't mind. We had a journalist called um, Richard Stead. He's still there at the BBC in Manchester. And I don't know if you remember the Oldham riots years and years mm. and years ago. Anyway, he took... He, took, he went up there in one of the station cars. wasn't branded. It was a Peugeot. He went up there and uh, he reported on the story and he came back and he couldn't get to the car. It had been torched. So we're like, so obviously after came out. Anyway, so this riot's happening. And I said to the woman, the, my mate who ran the news team, I went, don't, whatever you do, don't send Richard Stead out in our radio car. He'll get it torched or something. So do not be sending him out in our radio car. Radio cars were about 60 grand. Mm -hmm. Brilliant little gadget. Put the um, used to put the little mast up, and you could broadcast from anywhere. I, I was I was emotionally attached to that little baby, and uh, yeah. So he, he went out and he set it on fire, and um, that's another one to go and have a look at. Go and have a look at Radio Manchester Radio Car set on fire, and it's on the on the ten o'clock news, and uh, I'll never forget it because. Um, myself and John Ryan at the time were in the station, we're like, what we're going to do? We had a full output of sport ahead of us. We went, right, we're going to have to split the frequencies. So we'll put the sport there and we'll um, do updates of the games on here. But we need to do rolling news. This is massive. People in Manchester are ringing us going, oh, they've got down Deansgate. So we kept it on. And I'll never forget, one of the guys came in and he went, um, you two, sorry to interrupt, I know it's really important, but the radio car's gone. So we went, right, okay, right, nice one, thanks. So we're kind of talking. So he looked at us like we had three heads. I went, you all right? He went, no, the radio car's gone. So I went, yeah, we'll just, yeah. And he went, no, it's gone. What do you mean? They've torched it. I went, what? 
Where's Steady? Is he all right? Is he all right? And then later on, when I was doing the programme, I realised when we have um, things in radio, you can put a, a tape across them, old days tape, but you can you can record something even though it's not on air. So if you've got a, a, a football reporter at Manchester United, but you're doing commentary at City, you can record the person at Manchester United even off-air, as we call it. So we had an, an off-air recording of this radio car, and I just looked at the people who'd come in, and I went, oh, my God, I wonder if we can hear it getting torched. Go and have a look. Go, go on ROT recording the tape it was. Go on the ROT and see if you... They, got, they played it back. We all nearly started crying. It's like our little baby. They were, you could hear him shaking it. I won't tell you what they said as well. There's a few F words in there. Torch it! And, you, and then you see it on the 10 o'clock news. You put the pitch. Oh, sad times. Sad times. So sad. It is sad. It was a favourite little car. Anyway, now we've gone digital, so it doesn't matter anyway. I did go in one of those early on in my career. I thought it was very yeah. exciting. My mum was really pleased for me. <laughs> So in terms of what about Mancunian sporting people? I mean, who would you stand out for you as someone that's kind of a, a Mancunian icon? Oh, do you know what? That's a real tough one, that. Uh, you know what? At the minute, uh, I, and we'll probably touch on that, you know what us Mancunians, we like to adopt people as well. So at the minute, the present one probably is Karen Bardsley, who plays at Manchester City, just for her resilience through injuries and everything. Steph Horton... Uh, the England and Manchester City women's captain as well. I admire immensely because she's having the hardest of times and uh, the the face that she's putting on is second to none and I, I wish all empowerment and love to her because uh, her husband has an illness that she's currently working with and he is as well. So the two ladies there... Um, you know who I love? I love Darren Campbell because he tells it like it is. So uh, Darren Campbell from back in the day who won the, he's going to kill me, Commonwealths. And of course, I can't not mention her um, because of what she achieved just recently is the fabulous Tracy Neville. Mm. And in fact, I'm going to mention all the Nevilles because more so than the Nevilles, I want to mention the mum and the dad, yeah. actually, because we all know Gary and Phil and Tracy now, all household names. But I was lucky enough to talk to Neville Neville before he, he sadly passed away. And Neville Neville, the relationship Tracy um, had with Neville was the same as what I had with my dad. And I had a real good time to sit down with Nev um, over a few drinks. And the way he talked about Tracy and what he said about her and, and before she was going to Australia for the first time in the netball, world netball champs, not where the Commonwealth, where she won that amazing gold, but when she went there and, and, and he was so proud of her and he will still be proud of her. And then what Tracy's done and the fact that Jill Neville, all the work that she's done at Berry FC and keeping that club going as long as she has, when you hear what they did, so when you hear about Nev Nev, um, Gary told the story at, at his funeral and said, you know, he was a, a wagon driver and he, he did his shifts around the kids so that he could take the kids to after-school sports. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And, and, and you listen to the family and you see it the way Gary and Phil are and the way Gary speaks about women. You can see the way that they've been brought up with equality in their family and I just absolutely love that side of the equality thing in sport and everything else. Jill's still playing netball mm. at the ripe old age of, I don't know what, she's about 42 now or something and I'm 48, so work that one out. And um, I just, the Neville family all in all, but Tracy... What she's done recently in the last 18 months, and especially with her own little things that she's been going on, and now she's about to have a baby in March, I'm like, yes, you know, Tracy's a proper role model. You know, and she does, she comes and talks. My netball club is in East Manchester in Gorton. We've talked about that area. And when girls can see that she's come from Bury, from North Manchester, and she can do that, well, then they can do that. And that's what a sport and role models are really, really important. 
Absolutely. And how important do you think it is for women to be in sport now? Um, it's as important as it ever has been. I think what's more important is about where society still needs to change. And, you know, if we're going to talk about equality, we can't, we can't not talk about the suffragettes and Emmeline Pankhurst and, and, and the Pankhurst family. So how important are women in sport as important as anybody else? You know, take a look at what happened in tennis probably 40, 50 years ago and see how they pioneered to change, uh, tackle sexism, the, what they get paid and everything else. And then look at the, oh, isn't it great? Women's football's really on the map. Not really, no, actually. Yeah, it's been on the telly. It's been forced on the telly. Yeah, they've had great crowds because we've encouraged it. But then go back to the non-big events and they're still not pulling it in. There are features in the papers at the minute where the Spurs, you know, the, the Spurs women are training at a ground where they haven't even got a fridge so they're bringing their own jam butties mm -hmm. and everything else. So don't let perceptions deceive you about the media. I works in the media and the, the media are very good at painting the picture that they want to pay, paint. Um, we need women in all sports. We need more female coaches. Mm -hmm. We need um, more facilities for uh, women. We need facilities for women in the areas where actually we do need to get women out and get healthy, active lifestyles in some of the, the pockets of Manchester where we don't have them. You know, we're probably facilitating it for the people that already can. I do back to netball. I love coaching back to netball. I love coaching back to netball because there are women who come They've seen the advert, come back to netball, come back to netball. And I'll say to the women at my sessions, and recently in Didsbury, the sessions we've been running on a Monday night, go down there, seven to eight. Katie's a really good coach, not as good as me, but she will be really good. Um, you go down there and I'll say, ladies, ladies, put your hand up if you're new tonight. Put your hand up. Right, okay. Ladies, ladies, first of all, congratulations for getting here. Because we all know when we go home, go, I'll, I'll, start, I'll try that back to netball now. I've took my shoes off now, I've took my socks off, I've had my cup of tea. Da, 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 da. So to so even get to a session, but for these women, a lot of them are coming on their own and they've not when did you last play school mm. what's that 30 years ago yeah amazing well done for getting out and if you're listening to this going i want to do that but i'm too shy too nervous just do it just do it find the right club if you don't like it go to another one walking netball uh, walking rugby walking whatever sport you want to do go and have a look and try and do it i'm really lucky i've got i had a crew of girls um, and we're, we're in a team called now 17 and there's a great story behind it, and I will tell the story, and I hope it gets to make the cut, as they say. I hope it stays in there. But these girls are all strong, um, encouraging women. And you know what was great? It was great to play netball, where everyone goes, it's too competitive, and this, and that. We were competitive. You would not find stronger competitive women. However, it was a game of netball, and we were there to just do what we wanted to do. And if you threw a ball and one of them dropped it, we actually laughed, because mm -hmm. it's only netball. It's fine. It's a social league. Don't get me wrong, we didn't like getting beaten. Don't don't come and try and beat us. But if someone dropped the ball, you have a giggle. And you know what? There's nothing better than endorphins. Get, getting off the couch and yeah. getting your trainers on, getting there is a killer. It is a killer. If you walk through a door and actually do some sport, congratulations to you, because getting there is harder than anything else sometimes in the world. It's harder than me getting out of bed for a nine o'clock phone call, um, alarm clock. Um, but the endorphins are, it's a natural high. We built this city, a podcast about the Mancunians born, bred and adopted that put the heart into modern Manchester. So tell us about London then, we're losing you, kind of. <laughs> yeah, you wish. <laughs> You'll still be able to hear me when I'm in London. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got an opportunity of a lifetime. I love radio, I love sport and there's, there's kind of really only two 
um, t- apart from local radio for the BBC, there's only two kind of places where you can do radio and sport, and that's the BBC that's based at Salford uh, at Media City, uh, which you know BBC Sport is massive. I've, I've been I've been blessed enough to work with those guys for twenty odd years, from TV to radio. But my bag is radio, and the other big um, sports station is Talk Sport, mm-hmm. and I'm uh, going there in a, a an exec c- capacity. And the job that I'm going to be doing is so close to my heart. It's going to be working with the teams there, um, looking at making radio, craft radio, having a chat with people, having a chat with the people who make radio and just kind of um, going in and, and judging it up a little mm. bit. Judging <laughs> here and judging there. Don't tell the presenters yet. Don't be know like, what's coming. <laughs> Hey, listen, listen and learn. Hey, let us know if you pass that probationary period. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have you back. Shh, there's no probation period. Can you have flat vowels down there? <laughs> <laughs> listen, I'm really lucky because now I went 20 years ago to London to BBC Sport. And when I went 20 years ago, they didn't have Warburton's bread. They didn't have Warburton's bread. Well, I happen to know one of the Warburton's. So I had him sort it out and they used to they used to get Warburton's bread to the Asda at Wembley. So I used to, because I lived on the North Circular. So I used to go there and people used to come around and go, have you bought bread down from New, from, from North Mank? I'm like, no, 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 you can get it at Asda. You cannot. Well, you can now. Mr. Warburton sorted it. <laughs> Don't know if I'm supposed to tell that. So if I'm not, it never happened. That's like us taking bacon in the suitcases <laughs> from Salford. <laughs> when you take your tea bags yeah. on holiday. <laughs> So you're not going to miss Warburton's. You don't need to miss Warburton's bread. But what no. would you? What will you miss about Manchester? I miss you a lot. Thank you. I'll miss my crew. I've missed my crew. Um, I've 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 got a, a minute family, if if not any family, and um, I lost my mum. I lost my dad. Um, don't talk to our kid that much. And um, the, the the crew that I've got around me, the the women that I have around me, I've got this crew called the PMA crew, which is positive <laughs> mental attitude. I'm laughing because my goddaughter's made me a leaving book. She went, I'm positive, I'm mental, and I've got attitude. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so now she's making me think about what PMA stands for. But I tell you what, this, this group of women, they are mint. Um, if you're in and around Manchester, you'll know half of them. Uh, Kate Cocker, who's extraordinary in, in broadcasting, presenting, and everything else. Joey Tong is adopted in as the Northern. She's our she's our uh, token Londoner with her sister Ruthie Tong. Joey Tong's an agent looking after people like Ni- um, Michael Carrick. Uh, she's the one who got Dion Dublin on Homes Under the Hammer. If ever you wonder why there's an ex footballer doing Homes Under the Hammer, um, Yvonne Harrison, who's got headhunted by the Nevilles and is in charge of Project Ninety Two. So you're talking UA Ninety Two, GG Hospitality, all that sort of stuff. And it's really interesting to to anyone in Manchester who's who's feeling they need some support you never feel I don't know if you do feel like that but this this crew just kind of came together and we share everything the strong women you can jib in and jib out when you want to and every now and again you'll get a can I have PMA please I've got an interview at this time can I have PMA please I'm going for some tests I can have PMA I'm going to a funeral can I have PMA and then there's some ridiculous stories in there I can't remember some of the funny stories but there was one and we, we worked out we can basically get talk to anyone that we want to talk because we're all so well connected but the love in there is really really good and every now and again you'll have a chat with one of the girls I'll say you need to put that in the PMA group yeah. and it's just later on these people will go how did you get on how did you get on and one of them, I'm not going to say who, but one of them said, you know what I get from the PMA crew, what I don't get from my husband? It's like, oh, obviously I'm not going to tell you who. No. Everyone's like, oh, which one's married? Which one ain't married? Jigsaw identification. But I actually believe them, and I think every woman in that group would go, yeah, you're absolutely right, because we'll listen. We're women. We understand. 
If it's the child thing, they've been there. There are women in that group that have been through everything. We all have collectively, so we all can. We can share, and there's nothing better than sharing a problem with someone who knows. A really good friend of mine, um, Angela Clark, who um, is very high up at the BBC, when my dad died, um, no, it's when my mum died, my mum died first, and she said, you know what, Sarah? She said, you become part of a, an elite group when one of your parents dies, because really, only people who've lost a parent know what it's like. And I was like, really? And she went, yeah, and she told me, and it's absolutely true, when you meet people and tell them one of your parents has died, you know who knows about it. You know that they get it. And even worse, when you've lost two parents, you feel very, very on your own. You know, and I'm 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 happy to admit it. I'm out there, I'm strong, I'm all that. No, I'm not. I'm soft as and I haven't got a mum and I haven't got a dad and I haven't got a husband. I haven't got a fella. So actually when I make big decisions, it's scary. Mm. So when I can turn to my girls and have a cry and go, I'm not feeling it, I don't know what to do, it's all right. And I'll say, it's all right for you. You've got your husband, you've got your mum, you've got your dad, you're all right. And you're allowed to say that and they'll go, I know we're there for you. There's one person in particular who can pick me up from the lowest of the low. And every time I ring her, I'm like, why didn't I ring her five hours ago? Why have I sat here crying my eyes out, thinking the world's going to end? Because that's how I feel. But she could always pick me up. You know, and we have the laugh about pulling your big knickers up again and this, that, and the other. Well, I left them in your house, so how am I supposed to do that? Because we swap them every now and again. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's good to have a crew around you, and that's what us manks are good at. If you want to know how to build a community that dances on tables, you can find out right here on the We Built the City podcast. Just a few um, quick fire questions. Okay. That's okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, what's your favourite Mancunian expression? <laughs> I've got loads. Uh, Min, Schneid, Schneid, <laughs> Schneid, Schneid. Well, Schneid, you Schneid, you are. You're not Schneid, Lisa. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> Schneid, Min, in it, our kid. Just normal the language, best. in it. They're not bank words. We don't need to ask City or United. We got no, we that don't. loud and clear, didn't yeah, we? Yeah. Um, Five one on September the twenty third, nineteen eighty nine. I do think it's hilarious though that you're leaving that beautiful apartment, which Looking was a nice your swamp. Yeah, the swamp, as you call it. Yeah, it was a nice swamp on New Year's Eve though with the fireworks. It was over a nice it. swamp. It was lovely. Our sparklers. What's your favourite view of Manchester? My favourite view. The one from my balcony, you know. <laughs> Honestly, as long as you don't look over you the swamp and you, and you turn left and you get on my balcony. The reason I bought that flat is because I can see the, the, the skyline of the city and, man, has it mm. changed in the last 13 years. I absolutely love it. You know, the town hall and Beetham, that's Manchester. And I also love the silhouette of um, Strange Ways as well with the history of all of that oh, as well, 1988, nice. and them sat on the roof chucking tiles down. Oh, Yeah. And on New Year's Eve, we were on your balcony and the, the, all the cranes pointed north with the lights on. That was amazing, yeah. wasn't it? Was it you who told us that? Yeah. Look at you and yeah, all your intel right. knowledge on cranes. <laughs> Working with the property crew. Vision ships or pine chips? What, you said vision ships? It's like vision ships. What are vision ships? Are they ships with vision? Uh, fish and chips every fish day of the week. And what colour do you like your tea? You know what? Like, <laughs> I like it colour northern. Colour northern. A northern colour. That colour, which um, I'll tell you how you do your colours, because the beautiful uh, lady that I love so much, Diane Oxbury, we lost um, from um, well, she's from Northwest tonight, doing the weather and that. But I'll never forget, it's like, cup of tea, our kids. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is it Manila, Manila colour, like an envelope. Mm. That's what colour she... I'm like, Ugh! which is wrong, because she's know. even northern, northerner than we are, because she's from, like, she's Geordie. I was like, how do you work that one out? But colouring my tea is orangey-brown. Like, just show it the milk. You don't have to put a lot in. Just flash the milk at it. Happy days. 
you know, obviously, that we have the Roland Transville Way, yes, which is 15 ways uh, that we live and work. Um, and obviously, you've had a look at those. I just wondered if there are a couple of those that stand out for you and speak to you kind of yeah, most massively, strongly. massively. I like these. Um, a lot of them I like. Um, I had to ask you what the D did, 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 did S is, and then you told me it was something heads beginning with D. So I've got that one now. Thank you. Uh, admit it, fix it, and move on. Humbly enough to see our mistakes, courageous enough to admit them, wise enough to correct them. Uh, give it a go. Do your best. If you didn't do it right, I'm really sorry. I've not done anything intentionally bad. If I can fix it, I will do. Yeah, that's what I love. And then the second one that goes with that, it ties it really ties in really well to it. Um, no integrity slip it. No integrity slippage. Do what you say you would do when you said you'd do it the way that you said you'd do it. In other words, don't don't BS me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're gonna do it, do it. If you're not gonna do it, don't. I hate. Um, what's the phrase? Is it nodding donkeys? Yeah, yeah. Will you do that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Have you done it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Have you done? They haven't done it. Don't nodding donkey me. <laughs> Just do it. Or say you're not going to do it, but don't nod in donkey. I, I think we might have that as a 16. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> nodding <principle>. donkeys. <laughs> you can have that, I'll give you that. Thank and then I, I'm going to throw in as well, keeping it real. Yeah. Every success, start again. Boom, learnt that one. Let's go again, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely. Oh, sorry, it's been absolutely fantastic. A great way to spend an hour. Um, I'm definitely going to miss my northern soul, mate, for sure. Although we're coming to visit you in London um, in the near future. Ooh. I'm so glad that I met you on that stool several years ago. I think you're an inspiration. Um, I you. You're um, the person I also think I can call up. I need a yes, big knickers. Sometimes yeah. you have mine. Yeah. Um, I think you're going to smash London without a doubt. I hope so. I'll do my best as usual. And if not, sad, unlucky for you. Like, I'll be coming back if I don't. I don't think we're going to see that much of you. I don't think forget you're, you're fabulous. London. FBS you are. Yes, fabulous, beautiful and strong. That's what I you are, Lisa Morton. Thank you so much. And a man through and through. Absolutely. Salford girl. So go and take some of your DNA down to London and we can't (laughs) wait to see you again soon thanks so much good luck thank you so there's my friend Sarah Collins who says I can and I will watch me when it was mentioned that Sarah may be going to London former managing editor of BBC Radio Manchester said there's more chance of the Ravens leaving the Tower of London than Sarah Collins leaving Manchester but anyway she's gone and she's going to be fine because there's Warburton's bread in the Asda at Wembley In the next episode, you're going to hear from Chalton, born and bred, Chris Brinley, MBE. He'll tell you that wealth is not about how much money you have, and he should know because his first job was printing checkbooks at NatWest in Stratford. Because of the things you appreciate day in, day out, you also appreciate those that haven't. So we are the city that is booking the trend on homeless. Why? Because we choose to. Why? Because Manchester decides whether you live in a house or you live on the street, you're still part of the Manchester family. This is a podcast from Roland Dransville PR. Our mission is to build purposeful relationships in all we do. If you do want to talk to us, give us a call on the same number we've had for 23 years, 0161 236 1122.